Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Head of Athletic Development at Huddersfield Town Football Club, Dan Hughes. Right, welcome to episode five of the Pace Performance Podcast. Today we've got Dan Hughes, the lead sports scientist for Huddersfield Towns Academy. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Pacey. Uh, I first met Dan at uh, through Doncaster when I was doing a bit of a, an internship there. Uh, Dan left to go to Huddersfield and right place, right time. I stepped into the, the big shoes that Dan had... Uh, created down there, um, kept in touch ever since, so I've got down the podcast uh, to talk, talk for you a few things. So, how did you get into SSC sports science, what's your kind of background? Uh, basically for me, I've always been interested in sport and play sport, so it, it comes from that um, different sort of sport I'm working in now, but started playing, playing ice hockey at a young age got to professional level, international level, and was always interested in the S&C side of it, in, in the background. Um, from then on, I did various other things after uh, college, went to Sweden on a scholarship, then come back and decided to do a, uh, to do a university so I could do the degree uh, relative to what I wanted to do as a career. So uh, from then on, I got a chance um, to do some work experience at Doncaster Rovers. I think that started around 2008 and I was going in on nights on top of my other job uh, to, to free a course and just trying to learn uh, different things and learning from uh, the S&C. Well, sports scientist there who's, who's called Ross Burberry who worked at Doncaster at that time. Uh, he was a friend of mine so in that respect it was, it was knowing somebody to get into them circles. Uh, I started working with uh, youth, uh, the youth teams there from under 10s right up to under 16s and that's where it sort of cut off uh, in terms of um, any older age groups and that was twice a week uh, that's how I started basically so it uh, then expanded where I uh, I was at university in Huddersfield I got an offer to do some more work experience at Huddersfield Town so I was juggling both really going to Huddersfield Town and then going to Doncaster two or three times a week <coughs> uh, once on the weekend and then um, juggling another job as well to uh, to put bread on the table, so to speak. So, what was the what was the SNC like uh, in the ice hockey? Uh, it's pretty uh, strength orientated, um, probably similar to rugby a little bit. Okay. Um, and and speed and power, obviously, because they're, they're key elements of the game. When I was playing, I just wished that we had uh, the resources and the uh, expertise that they have now and they have in football and they have in rugby and basketball and other sports. Uh, Ice hockey is one of those growing sports that's expanded in the UK recently over the years and if you go abroad to the likes to North America and Europe you'll find that it's uh, it's the number one sport and uh, S&C you know it's top class service they get over there and it's a major part of their preparation. So what um, what what's your current role at uh, Huddersfield? Uh, currently, well, I, when I started uh, over, when I switched from Doncaster over to Huddersfield, um, I took on the role of the lead sports scientist for the academy, and 
basically uh, taking in players and, and assessing the needs, uh, doing some uh, injury prevention or screening, looking at the flexibility and posture, um, any imbalances, uh, trying to write programs to correct them, also implement a sort of strength program, starting with technique, um, getting the, the, the lifts right, getting the main lift right, that ID and research, you know, suggest that are the right way to go. And uh, covering sort of the nutritional aspects as well, so a little bit of input on that side of it, writing uh, advisory sheets. Um, and I said, as, as you get up further on, you, you know, you try and individualise things um, and make it tailored to that player, uh, especially with the screening results coming back from testing. Um, you know, you use that to go to hopefully and uh, put things together and get some improvements and keep them playing and keep them training as long as possible. Uh, with the academy, it's, it's more about development rather than results. So you do get a lot of time to develop the players and, and hopefully see some uh, of, your, of the work of yourself and their hard work to come to fruition. So you mentioned a little bit about um, screening and correctives and that type of thing. Uh, a lot, quite a lot in social media recently, but with uh, Raymond Verhey and Kane in uh, what he calls Jurassic Park English football. Um, what kind of recovery methods do you use with your guys down there? In terms of recovery, I think uh, what we're using at the minute is. Um, I mean, I, I went. It was it was always ice baths and stuff like that, and um, you know, sort of getting them in there uh, post session. Um, and then I, I read a bit of research, and I, I just can't, I can't remember the name. Long it was a, a few years ago, but where where the lukewarm water, sort of twenty minutes submersion, would be more beneficial uh, for recovery. Um, so we started using that, using facilities around us, so we could get get in there and, and get them in the uh, in the water and perform you know certain stretches and flexibility exercises, uh, using that as a recovery method. Um, at the minute, we've also got um, body flows in. Don't know if you've, you've heard of that. It's uh, basically a machine that's got some um, electro pads attached to it. Uh, then, then it sends an electronic electronic signal uh, onto your muscles, um, which causes your muscles to contract and relax. Um, and you can have different sort of settings on that, um, which then uh, is the player in in recovery. And we usually do it for about 20 minutes, sort of. Uh, uh, post game, post training, and they're quite handy because they can travel on the bus easily once they're charged up. Right. So if you've got quite a long away trip, you can strap them on a couple of lads uh, while we're travelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, nutritional wise, I think it's a big one. I think I think a lot of inflammatory foods are very important. And I think you know you can use you. We get we get cherry active, and we can use that as much as, as much as we like. And I think you know it's it's a good thing. But is it as good as as eating whole foods such as blueberries and stuff, which probably have the same sort of antioxidant properties as they do. Um, so I think nutritional um, protocols are very important as well in terms of in terms of getting players to recover. So do you have a nutritionist down there or is it just kind of guidance from yourself and other other staff members? Yeah, we don't actually have a nutritionist. I think when, when we was at Doncaster, we sort of had um, the first team I know there, they had sort of um, somebody coming in um, externally and, and, and doing some bits with the players you know uh, once or twice a week or twice a month something like that and um, and they, they put some nutritional protocols in and they probably advise on certain supplements and things like that but I think for, for us we, we use you know sports science is a broad area and, and, you, and you should learn 
and use all the elements that come with it. Uh, and I think, you know, when you do your degree and, and you get your foundation set, I think you should sort of research and explore every avenue in there. And one of them, for me, is a big one, and that's nutrition. And it's something I really enjoy uh, talking about and, and implementing into my working working life. So it's pretty much from from led by, you know, the sports science department in terms of the menu set out at work and what the players eat, when they should eat, what type of foods they should be eating, um, etc. So obviously coming, coming into the job, how did you, I don't know how it differed from what was there previously, but how did you get buy-in from your, from the players, from like a, as a new member of staff coming from a different club? Did you implement anything that didn't get the buy-in that you thought it would, or did you go down any route um, to get that buy-in from your players? I think, I think luckily, when I came, I was a, a fresh face. Um, I, I, th- I think, you know, when you come in, something like that, you you kind of think you've got to not prove anything, but, you've, you know, you've got to come in and, like you said, you've got to, you've got to get the players to, to buy in. And I think it, a lot of it comes down to, to respect and gaining respect <coughs> and just, just showing that the stuff that you're doing is going to get a results. And when they do get results, then that's probably, I think, when they do buy into the programme. Hmm. That, that you're setting out for them. Um, so do you, I, I do think respect is a big one when it comes. It's in you know interpersonal skills. How you deal with different players. How you talk to them. How, how you set the programs out for them. You know, seeing what they like, what they don't like. You know, they are going to do have to do things they don't like, but you know, you you, you can make things a lot easier and a lot better for them, so you can get you know um, full adherence. So do you use? Um... Like educational, like little workshops or little presentations or anything to kind of, kind of get yeah, you know push them along the way. Yeah, def- when I, when I first came in at Huddersfield, I remember doing um, a nutritional. No, sorry, not a nutritional. That was part of it, but I remember doing a seminar with the lads. Um, you know, looking at um, what we'd be doing and what would be expected of them. Uh, why we would do certain things. Why we would do certain types of training. The importance of them. The importance of performance, uh, nutrition, um, and how it affects you, uh, hydration, all that, and uh, th- those are quite regular things, and we try and do them as much as much as we can. I, th- I think we're planning on doing one very shortly, to be honest with the academy, the under 18s, and, and just sitting down. And uh, I, I think through their education, they do get a lot. They do get nutritional uh, lectures and, and coursework to do as part of their um, college work, but. When it comes to performance nutrition, I think um, you know that area should be covered by our department, and and we get in there and, and lay things out and try and explain the best we can, get them to buy into it, get them to uh, adhere to it, and uh, hopefully you know get some results. So do you, do you get the parents involved as well? Because that's obviously a big thing. If they're if they're going home and you're saying you need to eat this, do this, and then they get bloody sausage and chips on the table. Um, yeah, you know, that's exactly what we did. We yeah. we, uh, we we did a couple. We did one um, sort of just in pre-season um, a couple of years ago, where we had a we had an external uh, person come in uh, that had worked with um, GB athletes and various other athletes, such as boxers and, and stuff, and other footballers. And uh, he came in did a seminar. We got we got all the parents there in a big conference room and. He, you know, he stood up there and he and he, um, he put the things up there that he thought, you know, uh, the parents need to know in terms of feeding the 
the, the kids the right things, you know, quality nutrients and how's the best way to go about it. Um, and we also did another one where I was involved, where we had uh, new intakes come in uh, that got um, uh, received a, a, well, a scholarship or a youth scholarship, whatever you want to call it. And we, we, we got them in there. And my part was to speak about, you know, the, the correct foods that the kids need and, and, and what they need to come in and perform on a daily basis. Because once they get in through that door, the, the training time increases tenfold. So mm. it uh, becomes even more important. Just moving on a little bit, I know, I know you've um, stepped up to to assist with the first team uh, yeah. recently for one reason or other. Uh, yeah. What's the transition been like from working with ten year olds to working with lads on, you know, twenty five year olds on a lot on a lot of money? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, for, for me. Luckily, I, I found it quite smooth. And when I was at Doncaster Rovers, I, I spent a lot of time in close contact with with Ross Burberry there and. The first team were always on hand. We were always next to each other. We shared an office. The gym was right next door. I'd get involved uh, with first team things when I had spare time. So that gave me a lot of experience. And that sort of gave me a lot of confidence coming over here. So I just feel that even though, you know, I was solely just working with academy, but in terms of assisting now with the first team, I've been able to take that, that experience that I got at Doncaster and then transfer it over into this sort of, uh, this role now assisting. And uh, like I said before, you get a lot of time developing players in the academy and it's not about results, but I think when you're at first team level or any elite professional level, you know, they are looking at results and that's the nature of the, of the game and, um, you know, and, and, and what, you know, you're doing things that um, hopefully are going to contribute to that performance. Um, and, I and I said, like, you know, injury prevention, uh, working the basic lifting strength, Getting the pillar and the core uh, activated, uh, the glutes activated, uh, all those things that contribute to keeping the players on the pitch for as long as possible and injury-free for as long as possible. You know that, that that's why you're there, and, and um, that's going to contribute also to the performance of the team. So how do you how do you deal with um, do the, the technical coaching staff? Is that a lot different from academy to first team? Are you a lot more kind of interacting with the with the first team technical staff, as you, as opposed to the academy, or is it the other way around? I, I would say it's, it's, it's evenly split. Uh, I said the the only difference is with the first team, um, we have we have a performance director, so a lot of our stuff is, you know, we we, we have conversations and we have meetings and and we have a we have a head of, of the department as such, um, which then you know it, it, it goes it goes to him again, and then it can get relayed. We can be in. We can all be in a meeting at the same time and discuss things, you know, the management staff and, and sports science staff, medical staff. But with the academy, uh, initially, the, you know, the, there wasn't a head of the department. So um, there was just one, you know, one, one guy doing the job. Whereas now we've got, you know, two or three heads, you know, uh, one head, sorry, but two or three people where you can bounce ideas off um, and hopefully um, put things together that, that you know are going to make a difference. So you mentioned a couple of um, about the S and C side of things, getting in the gym and, and doing bits and bobs. What are your kind of go to exercises for your? Well, you can for both for the for the academy lads and how yeah. for like a twelve year old and how that differs for a twenty five year old in the first team. 
Yeah. Well, well the, when you start at the younger ages, I think it's about perfecting uh, technique and getting the technical elements of, of if it's strength training, getting those right, just concentrating on, on the basic things. Um, you know, if you want, I mean, big believer in starting and squatting, squatting at an early age, body weight, um, but getting training bars in and just getting that alignment right, getting the right things firing, getting the glutes firing. You know, getting the uh, you know the, the, the core activated um, and progressing them that way, and and I've seen a massive difference over the last couple of years from when I came uh, coming in, and and you know a lot of the technique of some of the lads um, need, needed to be improved, and and you know they worked hard, and we you know we even started with, with the training bars and things like that at under 18 level and, and building them up and. And then you see them now, uh, you know, when you can put them under load when they're a little bit older and they're, they're a little bit more capable and, and they really are improving and, and you can see that on, on the pitch, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, that, that's about it. It, it. When it comes to uh, the younger ones as well, and right to 18s, you know, sprint mechanics, things like that, getting that right on the field, um, when, you know, pre-season uh, activities, you're looking at, at, at technique and, and, you know, getting that, uh, knee, knee raise, uh, arm drive, you know, get them tucked in, get them moving in, a, in, in, in the direction they want to go, you know, try not to waste energy, uh, be, be nice and economical with it and, um, you know, just try, trying, to, trying to benefit them in that way. So if, if there was, a, say, a group session and they were doing some, I don't know, some conditioning and you saw someone that wasn't, um, maybe to come in later on, hasn't come through the system, would you have had the authority kind of pull that kid out and do some individual work, or would it have to be done as a as a group? Would you have that freedom to do that? No, yeah, definitely. I'd, we'd have the freedom whether whether it be you know whether it just he take part in in the session as long as he, obviously he wasn't and only under only under any risk. Sorry, uh, I get the words out there. Um, so, but you know they got the freedom of taking them out um, or or doing it post session where you one on one. Uh, where, the, where the player can really concentrate and, and it can be really individualised and tailored to his needs. Uh, so there's definitely freedom, the freedom for that. In the first team, I know you obviously in first team football you get people who are players who have been brought up at different clubs. Yeah. When when guys come in, do you are you finding that they've kind of got a decent base of yeah. kind of knowledge, or are they a bit, you know, is this yeah. all new to them or what? I think there's quite there's quite a broad uh, range to be honest, it, depending sort of what they've done in the past and and what the other clubs that, uh, that they've been at have done. Um, so you can definitely tell a difference when uh, different players come in from different clubs. Uh, you can you know possibly tell uh, you know the volume of or, or type of work they've been doing at that particular club, and if it's something that that's they've not done much of, then you know that's my job to. If it's something in our program, then it's, it's my job to try and teach them that and, and get them going on, on that and uh, hopefully progressing. So what my... Uh, and to, just to support that, it's definitely not, you know, everybody's the same. Yeah. You know, it, no, nothing works the same for everybody, so it, it's, uh, it differs quite, quite a lot. So in the first team, what might... Um, say you've got a game on a Saturday, you've got Sunday off, what might a, a typical week look like? Or would you have Sunday off? I don't know. You've got a you've got a game on a Saturday. What would a typical week look like for for your your for the first team that you've been working with? 
and where you kind of slot into them them gaps. Yeah, it, it differs slightly. Sometimes, you know, on, if it's a Saturday to Saturday, we'll, we'll we'll have the Sunday off and the lads will come in on Monday. If it's been quite a run of games, uh, we might give them, uh, we might bring them in on a Sunday and do a, do a sort of a recovery session and give them the Monday off. Uh, same thing with the midweek games, things like that, where we'll, we might come in on a, on a Sunday just to do a recovery and then get back in on Monday and play Tuesday night. Um, so it varies, depends on the schedule. If there's a big cluster of games and, and you know we feel like that fatigue might be an issue, then we uh, we have to look at the recovery strategies we're going to implement, and, and that might be rejigging the week. But a general week would would look like a Saturday game, uh, a Sunday rest, and then it would be back in Monday. And if, like I said, it's been a backlog of games being played, and you know it might be uh, another you know a recovery day on Monday when they come back in, and it might be or it might be a light on field day. Um, Tuesdays are generally pretty hard. It's generally a, a sort of a conditioning day in season where Tuesdays you know we look at using the GPS to analyse the load and the uh, high intensity sprints, um, high intensity distance covered. Um, so Tuesdays is one of those days that we can we can push the lads a little bit more. Generally, Wednesday is, a, is another rest day, then Thursday they're back in, uh, try and get a quite high tempo uh, training session going to get them moving after the day off. Uh, in terms of getting prepared for that, we do quite a lot of hurdle work and hit ability work, um, you know, after, after days off and things like that. Uh, and then Friday's, Friday's generally just a, a, a prep day for the, for the coaches and the, the technical staff to get in there and put their last finishing touches before before the uh, kickoff on Saturday. Very good. So you um, so as a, as a as a strength session, gym sessions, it's normally is it normally Tuesday Thursday that you you slot them in there? Yeah. I I know at Doncaster Ross used to use um, so they'd have the day off on the on the Sunday. They might also give them the day off on the Monday if they'd had a long journey or something. But send them away with a um, like a heart rate monitor. So they can yeah. do their own sessions. That's something that you use down there, or not? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We we can we, we're lucky enough to have the heart rate belts as well that can that can be taken home and can record a session that we've planned or set out for for players or certain individuals. Uh, they might be uh, not involved for some reason, so they might want to we might want them to get to do an extra session on a Sunday. So they can take you can take the the heart rate belt home and. We can bring it in Monday morning, and then we can have a look at, at where what we've achieved, and have we got, have we, uh, you know, achieved the goals we wanted to in terms of training load. So that's something, you know, that I, I, I think it's very useful, um, and uh, we're lucky enough we can we can put that to use. And you, you mentioned hurdle work. I know it's some, something you did at, at Doncaster uh, yeah. with Ross as well. Just to explain yeah. a little bit more about why you use it, what it actually is. Um, and what the lads benefit from? Yeah, basically we, we look to do it just to activate the, the hips and uh, you can use them for various things, you know, we've got the extendable ones where they can, uh, you can, uh, you know, adjust the height. So again, when you're looking at working with different age groups and different different abilities, you can also, you've also got that at your disposal where you can, you can manipulate the height of the hurdle. But, you know, you're looking at flexibility, so you're looking at activating the hips. So, you know, we're just doing walkovers. Mm. Uh, you know, we're getting the groin in there as well, bringing the knee right round. You know, but, uh, in between, you know, you can work on a little bit of balance as well as the moving from one hurdle to the other. 
you can move laterally across, you can march across, you can do hamstring walks um, or skips, uh, you can extend them to the top notch where you can get under them. Um, I always encourage them, you know, when they're coming down the, the, and they usually have to push through on, on things, you know, we, we're going to keep the heel nice and flat and dug in and try and get the glutes involved as much as we can. Um, get that lower back activated as well. Um, so, yeah, they're generally a good tool. And, and yeah, you're right, I used to do a lot of Doncaster and I think that's one of the things I've taken taken as well with me and I think, oh, you know, I don't see why we should stop doing it because the lads should get really good benefit from it in terms of flexibility and mobility. So. So you use that with the academy there as well as the first team? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the academy used them, the first team used them. Um, and it's usually, uh, you know, um, pre-session or in, in, in the early stages of the warm-up where, yeah. where they can use them. Um, also, you know, you want to do any plyometric, you know, activities, you can use them for the same purpose. So, yeah, they, they, they use quite a lot. <clears throat> Just a little... Um... Offset of that, you know about warm-ups. The uh, last podcast when I spoke to Andy Titrelli was um, speaking about warm-ups, and often it, you still see the the old jog around the pitch. Yeah. How how has that kind of jog around the pitch advanced um, in your practice? So what what do you kind of include? What do you shove into the warm-up that you might not be able to fit in elsewhere? How how would you structure your warm-up? How do you structure your warm-up? Yeah, well, I think the luxury we have is is, is the uh, we have mandatory prehab sessions. So, right. so you know we've got guys coming in just before training and being able to activate the glutes and the core. And so is that everyone? Uh, we you know we use resistance bands, things like that. We use uh, longer resistance bands where they can step up on boxes and drive knees up, and um, you know we can we can get the muscles firing just before they get out there. So they need to sort of like run around. Uh, for a couple of minutes and then come in and get the balls out. I think I think it's pretty much gone now. I think you can you can activate the muscles in a in a more efficient way and isolate certain certain muscles and and then take them out there and get into some uh, more dynamic things, mm. uh, more dynamic exercises. Uh, and then depending on the day, depending on on what the goal is, you know that you can then move from those dynamic exercises into some more uh, to more agility work. So is that something that everyone does or do you target players with different things? Do, is it something you individualise as well or is that just yeah. a, a broad, you know, squad-wide? Yeah, it's something everybody does but everybody's pre-hab is different. It's all tailored to the uh, results from screening tests so everything, you know, you look at another one player's programme will be totally different from another. It all depends on the needs. It's not something that they come in and they all do the same thing because you know, you might be missing something out that they need to correct, or they need to uh, they need particular attention pain to. So everything's individualised, and it'll be on on their program as they walk in, uh, and they'll, they'll they'll perform their exercises, and then they'll they'll go out um, on, onto the pitch for a group warm up. Very good. Just to go back to where we started with your ice hockey. Would would, yeah. would ice hockey be something that down further down the line in your career want to get involved in, or is that kind of lot is that gone and you've kind of moved on? Yeah, well, yeah, I think I, I don't think uh, like I said, I think in my in, in our in our industry, I think the, the big you know the, the big sports are, uh, for, for career wise, if that's what you mean, is yeah. is, is definitely football and, and maybe, you know maybe rugby. Um, 
not too sure about basketball and things like that, but I, th- I think for our industry, uh, in terms of support staff, I think they're the two big ones where you can really get in there and, and, uh, and get a good good career and, mm. and get have a, you know have a good job and, and really enjoy your work and, and what you've studied hard for and, and put the hours in to get that experience and, and get that recognition and then and then get into a, a professional sports club and, and put your uh, you know put your expertise to use. Mm. That's been good. I mean, we're coming up to uh, we're coming up to half an hour. I know you're a busy man and all that. So, <laughs> so uh, I'll let you go. But if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, where can where can they find where can they find you? Yeah, well, I've, uh, I've got a couple of email addresses. So um, you know, I've got one that'll come to me while I'm at work. Um, so I've got um, uh, Dan dot hughes at htafc.com and then there is also dh210584 at gmail.com which uh, is the one I can uh, respond to um, in, in an evening. Are you on uh, Twitter or Facebook or all? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm danhughes333 uh, and I'm also... Uh, I'm also on Facebook as an individual, but there's not much interest in on there. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of like find Twitter more useful for yeah. sort of getting in touch with people. Yeah. I know that the, the guy Kia you had on uh, <clears throat> previously from Sydney Roosters, I got in touch with him just after listening to your podcast. Mm. So that's I think is great about podcasts is is getting to listen to other people that you're never ever really going to speak to, mm. but you kind of are in a com- you kind of in the room when you yeah, listen yeah. to a podcast because you can. And then, you know, you put your contact details at the end and, you know, I just fired him a tweet saying what, you know, what I thought about the podcast and it was really good. And then, you know, he just got straight back to me. So we've had a couple of emails sent back and forth and he, he's, he's, you know, other side of the world in Australia. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I think is really good about it, uh, to be honest. But yeah, tw- Twitter is uh, generally quite useful. So just one last thing. Who, who apart, obviously you've got in touch with Kia, but who are the people that you... Follow on Twitter, look out for, uh, and who are the guys that you look to for decent information? Yeah, there's quite there's quite a few. I, th- I think the main ones for me, uh, nutritionally, is uh, at Ben Kuma. Uh, ben Kuma has got a podcast out there. It's been going quite well now. I think I've I'm right up to date with all his. We've done about must be eighty episodes. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, he's he's a, he's a, a, a youngish lad about similar age as me, and he's you know he's gone out there and and focused all his attention on nutrition and performance and some of the stuff that he does is I think is brilliant and I really I really like to go on one of his seminars to be honest and he's got a company called Body Type Nutrition um, that are online and you know it looks really good he, he takes on people there to, to, to perform as coaches and do individualized training programs and nutrition programs so a lot of the nutrition uh, he puts out there I tend to agree with him and you myself and and also try and um, you know implement at, at the workplace, but I think strength, you know, anything like S and C wise, you're looking at uh, Christian uh, Thibodeau. His name is is a French Canadian. He's got a lot of uh, useful ways of programming and how to how to uh, train athletes in specific ways. Uh, Dan John's another good one. Um, I think there is one guy, but his name eludes me. Um, Mike Boyle, I believe. Yes. Uh, since you mentioned ice hockey, he does a lot over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
NHL um, and uh, some of his work, his work was really good, mm. really, really good. Um, so yeah, they're, they're like you know a couple there that I follow on there and try and get information from and um, and see what they're up to. Very good. Well, I'll leave it there because it's uh, it's been over half an hour now because I asked you the question. But um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me or to get in touch with me to get in touch with whoever, uh, I'm on Twitter at Pacey Perform and uh, website is paceyperformance.co.uk. So get yourself over there. I know you're a massive fan, Dan, so don't, don't even lie. I am a massive fan, <laughs> One of the best podcasts out there. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Right, I will. Um, thank you again, and I'll, yep. uh, I'll speak to you shortly. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye.